0: Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of Zertified Fresh. I'm your host on this award-winning podcast, Z-Mania. This week, we've got a little bit of a different format. Instead of our usual profile segment, I wanted to take a deeper dive into some of our more interesting or, shall I say, large wins that have happened in the recent months. I'm obviously someone who loves telling stories, mostly true ones, and I really believe that we can connect with our end users and distributor partners when we share insights and ways to help them win. Plus, who doesn't like hearing great stories? Ryan Latham jumps on to talk with me about two very large wins that he had recently and how simply starting a conversation can bring big opportunities. He also shows that being aligned with a strategic end user and really understanding what their goals are can absolutely pay off in a big way. Then, returning guest Tracy Moise shares an interesting win with DuPont at Valen. And, frankly, how not behaving like a typical salesperson brought enormous value to her distributor partner and had them thinking strategically. It's really a great segment and hits on a ton of really interesting uh, pieces. Following Tracy, we continue on with a recurring segment where we get to learn more about our new line drivers. Joining me is a man that can fill volumes with his stories and experiences. Will McGuire is more than just a solutions consultant in Cali. He's also one of the most interesting people we have here at Line Drive. I don't want to tease too much because it's all just so great. And now, enjoy the latest. Sit back, turn up the volume, and stay fresh. All right, joining us today, uh, a man... Who is legendary around the Line Drive SE community and probably around the uh, Southern industrial community as well? Uh, probably needs no introduction, but uh, joining me today to talk about some amazing wins that he had and how he's made some significant impact on our end user business is Ryan Latham. Good afternoon, Mr. Latham. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for being on here. Uh, get me on here. You know, I'm a fan of certified fresh so i'm glad to be able to to contribute now
0: i know it's great you're one of my 22 listeners every other week so i really appreciate that i always get good feedback from you so um, as you're listening to this people by sending me texts praising how good you think the podcast is that's what gets you invites
1: definitely it doesn't hurt to uh, to butter up to the star of the show oh, So
0: of course of course so um I want to talk to? With Ryan's had a couple significant wins in the field recently, and I thought it would be great to highlight just to understand uh, where the business came from and and how, how you went about working with the end user and the distributor to, to bring this forward. And um, for those of you who know me, I guess everyone who's listening to this knows me. Uh, I love the stories. I love sharing. I love telling. A good story. I think that's key, whether we're establishing new relationships or we're uh, driving end user conversions or we're just out trying to further engage with our strategic end users. So, uh, I, I know we, t- we talk a lot when I'm in the field about we stories and, and taking stories that line drive has done and using that to amplify it elsewhere. So, uh, it's great of Ryan to join us today and, and talk about a couple of his ones. Uh, and we'll certainly do some more highlighting of these. Uh, but yeah, all that being said, uh, I noticed, uh, doing my little digging through pipeline deals that you had a major win with MCR and international paper, um, something to the tune of $350,000 if that's right.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, the, with the opportunities I've got, I've got two closes actually at two separate mills, um, each about $350,000 with the new a nine and just got a third mill um, ramping up right now. Um, we're, Kind of working with with MSC and MCR as far as making sure we're going to be able to have the product um, to support this this third mill, okay. but we're going to kind of slowly implement it there.
0: I like how you just like a casually rolled in. You're like, no Z, it's not three hundred fifty thousand. It's two three hundred fifty thousand dollars with an additional incoming. So my my apologies for absolutely rounding that down.
1: Uh, it's all good, Z. So talk it, to me still, I'm,
0: Go ahead. I was to say, talk me at the background here. What? Uh, how did this come up? I mean, obviously these are significant opportunities. So, what? What was uh, International Paper currently using, and, and what, what was the issue?
1: So, I guess kind of digging deep. I guess with the history, the, the first mill that that uh, eventually pulled the trigger was my former account when I was with MSC. So, I had pretty good relationship with the safety manager that's in there. Um, MSC at the time was kind of transitioning reps. They had somebody leave and they had a new person coming in that was gonna manage all three accounts. So um once I found out that these new A9 gloves were coming out, I was able to kind of get my my hands on some samples, I guess, before they quite hit the website and everything. So I had in mind international paper, especially the Prattville Mill, which was my former account because I wasn't selling any MCR in there. They're very particular. They were, you know, um, a very interesting plant, to put it that way. So, um, you know, I was able to get some samples from MCR, took them directly to the safety manager. Um, He really loved them. He loved, you know, one more than the other, and his people did, too. So from there, we were able to kind of start a trial. And from there, I mean, it just blew up. Um, Everybody loved them it was only going to be for one particular area but it's basically turned into the standard glove across the whole mill
0: so what, what were they using that they were interested in maybe take maybe what, what were they using that they were interested in taking a look at the A9
1: yeah cuz the way these international paper mills run that i have um, seriously like their their culture is to overkill when it comes to safety um, they were using an A7 leather Westchester glove. Um, you know, it it was serviceable for them. Okay. The cost was actually, you know, pretty high. Um, so they kind of liked that style with the impact and and the cut protection but when i was able to, to bring them something with higher cut protection and more dexterity then it became a, a no-brainer for them
0: yeah i mean knowing the, that that a9 glove i mean it's, it's a knit glove um with, with some unique fibers built into to go from a leather into that just the, the dexterity had to be just night and day difference
1: yes definitely oh some of the ones that well, the ones that they're using is basically the new PD 4900 so it's this it's a synthetic leather um, you know that's got the, uh, the impact and everything on the back. so it was still you know it's still kind of a, a bulky glove I guess okay. but um, I guess kind of the way it feels it, it really does actually feel quite a bit better than what they were using.
0: So you went out and you, you brought the glove in and you showed the safety director and, and a couple of people and they, they had some positive feedback. What was the next step? Was there a, a trial? Was there like a, a wear test? How did, how did the, the team at IP uh, make an, an overall decision?
1: Yes, yeah, so definitely. Uh, I work um, pretty closely with Gina and Chris Smith um, and Tamitha really to to start to kind of to be able to get our hands on, on some of the, um, you know, enough to kind of run a trial. I think we did about, uh, I think it came out about 10 people that we were able to, to get them on, you know, across the uh, different areas of the mill mm-hmm. just to kind of see how they'll perform, um, you know, with the different tasks and everything. So um, really just working closely with them. The, you know, the main thing that we have to remember to do, especially on these larger deals, is the constant communication back and uh, projections and, and everything back up to our, to our manufacturer partners. Because, um, you know, once I people the trigger pretty quickly that this was something that they were going to go with, then Gina was immediately able to, you know, pretty much uh, grab all the inventory <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, just kind of communicating back and forth with them. She was able to kind of allot everything to this mill. Um, we got MSC to go ahead and, and bring in a stocking order mm. on these particular SKUs. And you know from there, um, it basically just bled out to the the next mill right down the road. So
0: okay, so if I just to sort of recap that, you, know, you, you pull back, they said we're ready to go. You were able to uncover you know projection of usage from the user. Going back to Gina and others at MCR to say this is where it's at, Gina worked with her team to secure the inventory. Also, I'm assuming get, get orders or, uh, ready to go from the factory, but also MSC pulled that inventory in as well. So you're, you're communicating and having that line of sight from end user to manufacturer partner to distributor.
1: Absolutely, yes. So, you know, by having MSC bring them into stock was, was huge, you know, especially for MCR, um, you know, as we all know that it, it makes – you know, for them to be able to bring in more and, you know, to, to really help with their production. Um, typically, their first batches aren't, you know, necessarily uh, huge gangbusters. So, right. um, you know, it really helps them with, with their um, manufacturing process part of those as well. So
0: I, I don't want to use like a, a cliche, but it, it really did have everyone had skin in the game or protected skin in the game, I guess.
1: Yes. Yes, <laughs> definitely.
0: Uh, So if if I if I think about this, you know, the first plan implemented and how did it carry down the road? Because that's just as important as the first one. But you you talk, you got a second one pretty quick, and then you're working on the third. Um, What drove that?
1: Right, and and I mean it's pretty much two headed. Um, So my MSC rep, he was he is pretty seasoned. Um, So he has three international paper mills all under his uh, umbrella, I guess you could say, and. Also, the communication back from the Prattville mill down to the Selma mill um, from within international paper from safety manager to safety manager was was very positive. So, you know, it it almost was basically they went straight into a trial. They loved it. Um, The Selma mill was already using already had a pretty big conversion last year um, with leather and impact gloves. And I think they were cut a five. So, kind of, I guess, keeping with the overkill mentality, then they said, "Hey, you know, these A fives are working great. Let's uh, hey, let's go with an A nine if we need dexterity." So, that's
0: good. I, it's not well. Yeah, it's pretty rare to hear a, a safety culture that says, "You know, hey, we want to do the the most we can." You know, I've, I've been I've been into those mills. Um, with you before you and you know there's there are definitely some dangerous applications and and dangerous situations are working there so uh having the the foresight to to protect their workers is great to see
1: well yes so the the selma mill um when i originally i guess we uh is back in january last year i guess when we converted them um i when i was in there in december they had had, it was something like 21 or 22 hand injuries within the last two months. Oh, wow. So it, it was it was a huge um, problem for them. They were, you know, a lot of them were contractors on site. They were in the middle of about a half a billion dollar project, but it was a major, major issue for them. So, um, you know, with them seeing something that's going to be an A9 and, and, you know, offering more protection than what they were using same comfort. It, it was pretty much a no brainer for right. me.
0: I, I think of that sort of like that "jeez" moment when when they, they reveal to you. Oh, by the way, we had twenty two hand injuries in the last two months.
1: <laughs> yes, it was uh, it, it was pretty incredible when they told that to us. Right.
0: So, and that's probably something that of- I would say normally people don't open up about that. So it's almost like you know, as, as you become a, a say a trusted advisor to use that term, but you know that they're okay to tell you like, hey, we've had twenty two injuries. We have to deal with this.
1: Absolutely. But by, by doing that, I mean, they were fully on board. Uh, They brought in safety um, from all the department safety heads were in this meeting. Um, You know, so in fact, when we actually ran the trials on the gloves, they actually filled out that form (laughs) that you get at the end of the 360. So I think we ended up having like 50 or 60 responses back. So Uh It was uh, it was probably the most, um, you no, know, the probably the most participation I've ever seen um, when it comes to changing gloves and and, and picking something that's going to work for somebody.
0: That's great. I um, I think to sort of to sum this up when I flashing back or rewinding to the beginning when you told the story was. You know, this is a strategic end user of yours, so you have a relationship with the safety manager. They had a glove that was decent at an A7. You knew of new product coming down the pipeline from you know trainings and rollouts, and you went and showed them something they didn't know existed, right? So in their mind, they did not know that there was an A9 that had better dexterity, uh, better comfort, and obviously more protection. So uh, by you introducing that, you know, you're helping them. Achieve their goals of staying safe, but really leveraging our relationships and our knowledge to to be a partner and then help show them uh, a solution.
1: Absolutely, you know, it it never
0: hurts to uh, to go
1: into um, an end user with, that you have a relationship and and let them know that you've been thinking about a solution to some of their problems, and you might have found something brand new that's not even on the market yet, and you want them to be the guinea pig. So that uh, you know, having that. Working in our favor, um, you know, it, it got, the, got the first meal kicked off pretty quickly.
0: I was going say, how, what, a, what a great story to, to tell them. Like, hey, I've, I've been thinking about you. This came up and I, I immediately went and, and thought of your issue and your situation. I mean, that's, that's a really cool story to tell and, and definitely impactful for that end user.
1: Absolutely, yeah. He was he was pretty happy for it. So, it it's opening more doors, I guess, to uh, for you know for bundling back some some new solutions to them as well. So, yeah,
0: I was gonna say those of you that have um, international papers in your markets, or they can reach out to Ryan, warehouses, Greif Brothers, any sort of uh, these paper and and, and wood manufacturing sites, definitely a, a great win and a great story. Absolutely. So, yeah, I got I got a transition though. The, the second one out there. So we just, we just, I, you, you put me to shame that there was, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars, if not more, wins uh, with IP. Uh, the other big win that that came down this year uh, was with Hibbit Sports, and that was a very nice Motorola win to the tune of something in the ballpark of like six hundred thousand, I believe, if I'm right.
1: Yes, uh, it's a little bit more than that, Brian. I think it's more close to $900,000 now, maybe somewhere around there. So, All right, well, I I apologize, uh,
0: I apologize for only giving you two-thirds of a credit. I know you're close to a million. I could I probably could have rounded that way, so, so sorry about that. So $900,000 in Motorola, uh, and as the, the Motorola pioneer, I can tell you I've never sold $900,000 of radios to anyone, so uh, this is kind of a big deal, but... Um, I think it's an interesting story in a few ways because um most of the people listening to this probably have no idea what Hibbet Sports is. It's not Walmart, it's not Target, it's not Crate and Barrel.
1: No, it's just a uh I mean it's are kind of a smaller footprint. Um you still see them in in your shopping malls if your shopping malls are still open. Still um you know, but it's actually a retail um store that they're, they're still growing. They're, they're acquiring some of these other ones, but, you know, you got them to go get your, your sports gear, your tennis shoes, um, pretty much everything with them. They've got a, a pretty good model, and from what I've understood, they're, um, you know, I guess just like everybody else, um, their revenues really picked up tremendously during quarantine last year, um, you know, basically from online sales. So um, they've got, got some money. They have a, a, a pretty strong growth. Um, you know, the, they're not trying to shut down stores. They're actually trying to open more stores, um, more you know, brick-and-mortar stores. So um, they want to kind of build that infrastructure up for their, their whole store models. So that they're really looking at getting the radios within the stores to to help communicate.
0: Yeah. So so give us a background. So as you mentioned, I mean, these stores are generally in strip malls or, or malls. They're not gigantic. They're not. It's not a Dick's Sporting Goods. It's a it's a I, guess a I want to say your standard retail clothing store that's got shoes and sports apparel and, and sports goods. Um, I, I believe they had they had no communication amongst their staff currently, right? They weren't using radios or anything else.
1: No, they would uh, they would buy some cheap throwaways and basically just left it down to the the store level. If the store you know complained and said that they wanted some of these, then you know they would you know authorize them to go buy some. I mean, almost like the kids walkie-talkie toys, you know, to help communicate. So right. there was no standardization yeah, for- across the board.
0: I would say for any of you who've been trained by me, you know those, those FRS radios, the family radio service um, radios that you get at Walmart or whatnot are not valid for use in industrial or commercial environments, but uh, people still do it, so they're, they're out there. So they've got a mix of either some store-bought uh, little thing, park radios or just yell in the back, like, hey, Bobby, bring me out some shoes. So definitely, uh, right. right. So, so to them, I guess the issue is what, uh, standardization and, and, and increased communication among employees. Is that, is that how they approach us?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, when the customer, you know, just, I guess, kind of putting yourself in their shoes, um, you know, the way that they want to to appear in front of their customers, um, you know, whether they're on their their phone texting Bobby that's in the back to bring out some shoes for someone to try. Um, as everybody knows, you know, to, to walk into a store and have a, a 19 year old greet you, you tell them what you want and then they get on their phone and start texting. Um, it's not a good look, right? <laughs> right. It's not a good look. Um, so, you know, with a professional look where they can kind of get on the radio and and then get with the guy that's in the back to bring up, you know, a certain style of, you know, everything to you is a way better look for them. And, you know, it's still um, actually a lot faster to do it that way than, than to text or to call on the phone. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've got that one-to-one communication right there. It's in their earpiece. You hit the, you know, the push to talk button and say, Hey, I need this and bring it out. And, it certainly keeps it quiet and it does look like they're not um, do, making a TikTok video or commenting on an Instagram story. So that's always nice. But I think the other thing on this, so we were talked $900,000 in, in this deal. There's some moving parts, but I guess on a store level, it wasn't that difficult of a solution. It was a handful of radios and a handful of earpieces and chargers, correct?
1: Right. So they're basically, um, I think it's four radios, a multi-charger, and six of the, uh, the hands-free um, mics. So they basically came up with that. Hey, this is what we want for each store. If it's a larger store, then we'll do two, maybe three of these. But this is kind of the 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 kit, the bundle that we're going to go with. Right.
0: So it wasn't, I like, said, so it wasn't complex. We're not talking repeaters and wide area networks and that mm-hmm. stuff. It was just a, a a pack of radios that the employees can use and charge at the end of the shift. But we just multiply that by scale.
1: Absolutely. It was uh, it, it was pretty easy uh, for them once they came up with that then uh, it was pretty made it easy for everybody involved except for you know whoever had to ship them to all the stores
0: <laughs> except for, well you know we're not a logistics company we're just a solutions company so <laughs> it's a, that's some that's somebody else's effort and i'm sure they're very good at that so we can leave that be but um the, the one thing you know we talked the story nine hundred thousand, one one of the biggest ones you know i i, I was sharing with you uh, and they bought a basic radio they bought the cls radio uh, i was sharing with you back in the day uh, i sold about two hundred thousand dollars to crate and barrel and if you've been in their store same thing earpiece radios they they wear on the shift, and they put them down. Um, one thing that I love having you on either the podcast or recording is that you're passionate about taking your wins and sharing it and helping others reach that success. So you know, talk about Hibbs is again, Hibbs is a small, it's not so small, medium sized retail chain in the in the the southeast that most people probably never heard of. So I guarantee these things exist in other markets, and I, and I know that that's out there, and that you you've, you've got a passion for that.
1: Yes, yeah, so. It- it's actually a great story. Um, you know, i gotten a call from a Granger rep during the Granger show, the, you know, the first virtual Granger show um, about, you know, they needed help with their distribution center. I needed radios for the distribution center. So, um, you know, I got the meeting and everything scheduled and, and what's funny is how to uh, just happen to be talking. Shout out to Ed Gavin. Um, you know, Ed and I were kind of brainstorming and everything as we're, sitting on our porches, um, you know, during quarantine, just trying to, um, you know, just talk about what we can do after, you know, the COVID, COVID is gone and, and, you know, what we can kind of do to target some things. So I told him about this opportunity to, to go do a DC and, you know, how they have a bunch of stores and everything. So he and I were just kind of brainstorming and then just, um, you know, kind of popped in that, hey, wait, you know, all these stores could possibly use radios, all these stores could possibly have an AED, Um, you know, so just kind of talking about it, you know, I was like, wow, this is interesting. So went and made the call, you know, found them an immediate solution for the distribution center, which made them very happy. Um, I just happened to be with the, you know, having the, um, you know, operations manager that's over all the stores, all the retail operations manager just happened to be helping me um, try the radios out in the warehouse. So conversation kind of went to him about that. Um, hey, will y'all use them for your stores? And then basically from there everything kind of ballooned. Um, my Granger rep ended up leaving and got a new uh, commercial rep that came back in to take over that account. So kind of had to start over with her. And kind of let her know everything that was going on, what we're working on, um, the newer opportunities, and so Amber was actually able to, um, you know, establish the relationship with with Hibbit and start to rock and roll. And I think she pretty much did most of the hard work um, with it. So, but it, it was a great story, the way everything kind of came together, um, you know, and, and kind of thinking outside the box, you know, and and going after something like the, the store level uh, with retail. Um, so, you know, that's kind of been a thing that really wanted to, to start targeting. Um, but, it, but it's hard. It's hard for us to do it. But I think uh, with our new LinkedIn upgrade that we're going to be getting, I think this may uh, make a huge difference for us to find more of these opportunities in our backyard.
0: Right. Look at look at Ryan uh, giving the plug of LinkedIn Navigator coming soon. Um, no, that's that exactly LinkedIn. right. U- understanding those target the, those um, titles and who those people are and reaching out. And, and um, we have a story to tell, and that, that, I think that's a great question. So, um, you know, as we roll out the new program, thinking about, you know, whose retail headquarters are in our area. I know mean, typically we talk about strategic end users, we're thinking of, you know, giant manufacturing facilities or universities or state agencies or whatnot. But, you know, thinking about those, those retail headquarters, um, you can certainly go online and look up, you know, the largest retail franchises. You can look up mid-sized retail, retail franchises. And then to be able to go out and, and understand those titles and and Ryan can help you with what those titles are, you know, as far as like the, you know, director of stores or whatever that is, you know, going in and searching, uh, we're going to be able to reach out and tell that story and, and connect. So, um, it's really cool. And I, I did want to highlight it. I mean, you're being very humble in the fact that you are saying you didn't do a lot of work. I you know there's, there's more in the background to a million dollar radio order than just, um, you know, going on and doing a, uh, can you hear me now type demo? So, um, it's a really cool story.
1: Definitely. And, and I guess there's, It still hasn't um, been completed yet because there is a whole other portion that involves um, Hibbit owns their own fleet of trucks, you know, that are delivering to 1100 stores across the country. So there is a fleet director that is also um, paying for cell phones for all the drivers. So we're, you know, everything's kind of set up to really go after that business with the the TLK radios as well, which may, may be Big and maybe as big, um, you know, kind of as we we're starting to kind of wrap our heads around what we can possibly right. do to help them with that. Um, oh. But cost savings should be there. So.
0: Oh yeah, folks. If there's stay, there, stay, stay, stay tuned. If there's one theme to this this conversation we're having is that like Ryan just like casually dropping these like oh yeah no it, it was 350 at one site but there's two more sites oh you said it was 690 oh did I, did I mention I closed the DC then we did a million dollars of stores and oh by the way I'm I'm working their whole truck fleet too so kids um, you can always dream big <laughs> don't you uh, know there's there's always more dollars out there and Ryan's certainly evidence of that.
1: Absolutely, Base hits, base hits, swing for the fence every once in a while, right?
0: Oh, that's great. That's excellent. So, Ryan, awesome stuff. Team, uh, anyone who's listening, you know, line drivers, manufacturers, whoever this, um, if you got questions, reach out to Ryan. He's an excellent resource, loves to help. Um, this dude's a machine down there. So, thank you very much for joining us on uh, ZF today.
1: Thank you, Z. I appreciate you getting me on my favorite podcast. Excellent. <laughs>
0: All right, joining us is returning champ, uh, back-to-back national superstar, Tracy Moyes. Tracy, how are you today?
2: Hey, Z, good. How are you?
0: Uh, Doing excellent. So uh, our topic, we're talking about wins and uh, as we were zipping through the company call a few weeks ago, I saw a nice little shout out for Tracy in a, in a DuPont win with Valen that was for about $250,000 with the new products. And I thought, hey, that's that's really cool. And um, you know, it, it's nice to have some, some wins that are not uh, necessarily COVID related and wanted to dig more into it. So uh, I thought, Tracy, this would be a great chance to talk a little bit more. And I'm glad that you're on with us today.
2: Oh yeah! Thanks for having me. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, give me some 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 background here. Obviously, Dupont set up at Valen, and and we're selling selling product through. So, what was what was the foundation of of this opportunity and 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 this chance to expand our business?
2: Yeah, I was working with my counterpart at DuPont, um, Maryland, and we were looking at the Valen business, and um, unfortunately, there's some backlog that uh, we can't ship at the moment. So we were just trying to brainstorm ways that we could create revenue and actually ship and invoice the product. Um, she and I and Kelsey are very committed to hitting our number this year, so we wanted to get ahead of it. And, um She has a list of products that they have excess inventory on and started going through those. And one of them is a garment, SL garment, that um, is primarily ordered by Valen for oil and gas customers.
3: Okay.
2: And, you know, she said, what do you think about that? And I said, let me do some legwork and check on the oil and gas Um, industry and see if I can find some reputable information, some reports maybe that exist on what the forecast is for oil and gas. When is that industry gonna come back? Are we gonna see an uptick this year? If we could maybe take those facts and do some analysis on what Valen has bought in the past on SL Garments and look at what they have in inventory now maybe we can make a pretty good argument for them to get ahead of it and bring the inventory in so that when um, those customers need the product, they have it on the shelf. And so that's kind of how we went about it. We didn't know if it would turn out great um, until we started, you know, doing the research. And I was able to find some industry publications that had uh, forecasting reports out there that supported the story we wanted to tell Valen and we just married the analysis that marilyn had and the info that i found and packaged it together and then i served it up to valen and made the argument um, that they could get ahead of things and incidentally the the reports basically said that there has been some turnarounds um but there's quite a bit of activity expected in the fall this year and into next year. Um, So then I reached out to the Valens specialist um, for oil and gas, he's a vice president, Um, his name's Cody Payne, and I asked him if he and his team were seeing um, an increase in activity from their customers. And he pulled them and came back to me and said, yes, there have been um, several turnarounds, but they've all been small. But there are some pretty big ones slated for late summer and the fall. Um, So I used that information in my case to Valen as well.
0: Wow. Okay. So I, I that, that that's that's awesome. So you and Marilyn are looking, saying, okay, you know, we we, we want to obviously drive and grow business. That's what we do. But you know, instead of instead of taking a uh, sort of a defeated defeatist look and saying, well, it is what it is, you say, okay, we typically see that they've bought some SLs in the past or the Tykem four thousands, and figuring out where that's going to. So I, I think you were sharing with me, you 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 know you said you you did research. You went out and looked at trends and forecasts and and, and read a lot of data and publications for this. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I spent a better part of a day combing through industry information.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so you pull that and then, and then you actually, I I, I didn't realize you did actual some, some, uh, seller research. So you're getting data points from the field and, and pulling that up. And, um, I think that's amazing that you go back to, you know, you you do this legwork, you go back to corporate and corporate or, you know, you're, you're purchasing people and say, look, you know, Mm -hmm. we see the trends we have the product. We frankly we using some of the reality of the situation of look, you know, we, we our supply chain, like many people's supply chain right now, is is fragile. Uh, we do have this product though it's something that you all have used in the past um, we know last year was a little bit of an outlier but um, with the, the the way the uh, I say economy but the way the economy is opening up, the country is opening up that we know no oil and gas is going to rebound and and here's that data what, what was their reaction i mean i, I don't think that, to me it, and i guess i am not not in you know national account sales but it, it seems a little bit a little atypical of how your normal conversations go with product management
2: Yeah, um, I think you're right on that. Um, They appreciated not just the insight on the industry aspect of it, but in talking to um, their own people in the field and, you know, gauging what's happening as far as their customers. So I think I mean, we got some props for it. At the end of the day, we just wanted orders, and they placed <laughs> nine orders. Uh, the nine POs totaled uh, 247000 and some change. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something we can feel good about. We were just trying to figure out what can we sell them that we have and can ship, and that's kind of how the ball got rolling. And then trying to build a story around the garments and oil and gas, um, yeah, it was fun.
0: I like you're like we just wanted to order. No, no kudos. I don't need a pat on the back. We got the nine orders. Got the check moving on. No, I think that I think it's really cool. It's, you know it's creativity and sometimes that can be missing, right? And in, in, not that our team, you know, what Line Drive brings to our manufacturer partners is. Uh, you know, a different approach. I think from a manufacturer side, it's typically like you, we have this new product, go push it. New product, new product. Right? It's like it's like that, or yeah. sell more. But you're saying, okay, like let's let's look at our challenges. Let's let's identify this. You I know you you Kelsey and and Marilyn work together to say, you know, we've seen some trends in the past. Or, you know, what do we look like in 2018, 2019? And then going out and doing that legwork and and you know, not simply coming in there and saying, hey, you should stock this new product, but um, I am going to work you and help put you in a position that you can take market share. We know this is coming. Let's you know, let's. Be be smart and leverage that and and you know to to valon and i think two hundred fifty thousand dollars. it's not like that uh, you know uh um it's it's an investment it's not going to like make or break them but uh, to them you know saying like hey let's let's do this let's let's leverage what we have now and then being able to go to the market for that and uh knowing the two of you uh you and and kelsey i imagine that there there's some plans in the the works to make sure that their sellers know that the stock is there and to go out and push it
2: yeah oh absolutely and that um as soon as we learn that purchasing and place the orders and duPont had shipped them um i let kelsey know and then she told ken Coates, who um is out in the field and a lot of the specialists uh fold up under him so you know he immediately gave us kudos says it's about time we're proactive and the team's going to be really happy and i know he communicated that to their field um as did cody Payne. so yeah i think for for once we kind of got ahead of the curve it it goes against um distribution model and you know typically they don't load stuff in until it's pre-sold so um i think we were all a little shocked that we got it done but uh it's a good step in the right direction now so now we we just have a better way to go about it for future opportunities
0: No, I, 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 again, I, I know you don't want the kudos of it, but us thinking differently and behaving differently, not, you know, we're not a, just a, you're not just a sales organization. You know, we're we're going to come and partner with you. Um, You know, we talk a lot about how we partner at the end user level, but this is true partnership Mm -hmm. with our manufacturer and at the distribution level. Uh, And again, I, I I sort of uh, number one rule of podcasting. Don't ask a question. You don't know the answer to, I sort of teed it up there that you and Kelsey had worked it because I I had faith that you had already put it out into the field. And so it wasn't even just selling it in, you're selling it in and you're now laying the groundwork to, to pull that product through and and, and hopefully not just $250,000, but 500,000 or or a million dollars more. But uh, you know, that that partnership across the board really is paying dividends here. And and that's just an awesome story.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's great. We feel good about it.
0: Thank you. Now, and and of course, I'm sure the the question was, what's next?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we're, um, we're definitely winning some fans over at Valen with different approaches to how we're communicating and working with them and bringing them business. And um, things are trending in the right direction, but they're not really, we're not seeing it in the numbers just yet. So we still have a long way to go.
0: So that, Yeah. But. But, and I, I yeah. like that. I did that like pass by and then, you know, occasionally I have these flashes of genius. Like, well, oh, that would, that makes sense. Like it, one of the things that you just said that, that I don't want to highlight was that you challenged sort of a preconceived notion. You said Valon typically doesn't bring stock in. So instead of saying, well, you know, Marilyn, I know that's an idea, but they don't do that. You know, instead so you said, hey, let's, let's see if we, if we can make a compelling case. And they, they did. And I think, you know, no matter who you're calling on and you, and end user says, we've always bought these leather gloves or a national conference says, we don't, we don't go into that product category. Um, you know, there's an air, gas and fluke, Well, we don't do electrical stuff, you know, like go ahead and challenge it. If you've got the right data and the right story, we can challenge that. We should, we should be breaking the norms or breaking those conventions. And I think that that's, that's a great thing to, to keep in mind as as we're all going about our business.
2: Totally. Data is powerful. We don't realize it in sales sometimes because we're so focused on the message about the product or why we're better than a competitor. But um, data is really powerful, helps tell the story for us. And then you bring in people from that distributor, you know, their own employees to say, yeah, this is what we want. And it kind of sells it as well. So,
0: that's yeah that is awesome you know do, doing your homework and putting the legwork in you can definitely um definitely pay off so i appreciate it and thank you for sharing that story I look forward thank you for the contribution to line drives bottom line i look i uh, definitely applaud that and uh look forward to hearing from uh from you and, and and kelsey and the team on on further wins
2: yeah buddy there'll be more i appreciate it thanks for the time today and for everyone that's listening
0: awesome thanks trace okay see ya All right, joining us by request today uh, from a couple of you listeners, uh, in the next installment on in our Get to Know a Newbie, uh, I've got with me Will McGuire. Will, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Uh, excellent. So, uh, as I mentioned, a couple of people reached out to me as they, as they get to know Will, and and I also want to make a little footnote here. Will's not necessarily new. You know, you've been with us for uh, well over a year now, but, you know, we're we're pretending that, you know, that entirety of 13 months never happened. Um, But, you know, as as people are getting to know Will, I'm getting calls, they're like, did you know Will does this? And did you know this about Will? And, And my responses are like, yeah, I've spent a lot of time with him, so I do know a <laughs> things. But then, it, as I started to reflect on, on and all, this, all the stories and, and things that Will shared with me, I was like, this is a very interesting dude. And, and I know we, we throw <laughs> around that whole, like, most interesting guy in the world or most interesting person in the company, but uh, I really think that it applies to Will. So I had to get you on and, and interview. So thank you for, for joining and taking some time with us.
3: Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Brad.
0: So, sorry, I always talk with people, you know, for those who don't know, um, you know, what's your role here and, and, and what's your territory that you cover?
3: Yeah, so Solutions Consultant. I'm out here uh, on the West Coast. I have Northern California um, and then all of Nevada. So, you know, it uh, goes down um, like pretty much right in the middle of California where you have uh, the beginning of the Monterey County um, wine country kind of beginning and then goes up through Silicon Valley with San Jose, Oakland, and San Francisco. And uh, keep, going, keep going all the way up through San Francisco to the northern border. Then on the Nevada side, you know, a lot of it uh, comes out of Reno, um, Las Vegas, and then starting now out in Elko and the mines out there.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting and not to to put down anyone's territory. We have some people here who have single states or, you know, every time I I go work in Texas, you know, if I go work in San Antonio, I go to San Antonio. That's, you know, where we go. But every time I work with Will, it's something different. You know, it's at working at a tech startup in San Francisco or I'm meeting you like in some dirt farms in Modesto or we're going to Vegas to check out casinos and distribution centers and um, even, you know, Sacramento. We've done some next week. We're going to to Reno. So uh, definitely the most unique territory. I also got to see where all of my box wine is made when we, we went uh, into the valley. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm glad, glad to know that this quality jug of wine is is coming from a, a, a reputable facility, a nice clean facility. It's, it's very important. So, yeah, I I just think it's it's great to point out you have such a varied um both in like the terms of I guess like the uh topography, the the the, the makeup and and the types of customers that you see. Definitely every city
3: uh Every city is very unique. Uh, it seems in my area.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. So, w- w- usually when I do this, I always start off and say, or I don't start off. One of the questions I ask is, you know, what was your high school job and, and what did you learn from that? And I'm sure you had some probably wild things in high school, but uh, I think for for me, probably for you, that, that your college job is probably a good place to start in the employment career of, of Will McGuire.
3: Yeah, kind of, uh, you know. And I actually kind of my last job in in high school was actually. Uh, I started DJing um, like other high school's dances uh, with like a little DJ company in town. <laughs> and then uh, you know, I went to Baylor University, which is uh, 100 miles south of Dallas. Got down there, and you know, I'd always loved live music and DJing and going out and everything. And uh, got to good old Waco, and everything was 21 and up, and there was literally nothing else to, to do at the time. So, yeah. Uh, Me and my friends started uh, renting out a bar around there and kind of turned into our own little music venue and worked out a deal with the guy to take the door money if we filled it up. And, you know, over time that became successful. And, uh, you know, whenever I was 20, uh, a place down the street came available that was a a country bar. So uh, in Texas, I was able to buy it and uh, started as a nightclub before I was 21. Uh, so I had a fifteen thousand square foot uh, nightclub that was uh, open Thursday through Sunday and did live music and DJs and stuff like that. So definitely, uh,
0: that's like definitely a
3: was an interesting college uh, experience. <laughs>
0: I, f- I figure that that's like a, a streamlining the supply chain. Like if I'm always going to the bar, why don't I just? buy the bar, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: you know, because then you can write off, you know, research development costs.
0: <laughs> <you know. laughs> no, that's great. So, so you, you, I know you, you continue on the DJ stuff, and, and I know you still have some things in that after after college in the bar, where else did what else did Will get involved with?
3: So then, after uh, after college with the bar, I uh, I had in my head I was going to go to San Diego and and kind of do the same thing. Then I got to San Diego and realized uh, I. It was a lot different opening a bar in San Diego than Waco. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe some more rules and regulations or, you know, yeah, costs.
3: Yeah. It was a little bit more than I was wanting to get into. So, uh, you know, kept looking around for something else to do and ended up uh, finding a, a pizza franchise called Z-Pizza. And so um, got the rights to, to eight locations, you know, building out eight locations in Southern California, so... Did that for a few years. It was kind of uh, that healthy, uh, you know, health-conscious, organic, gourmet, you know. Healthy pizza. pizza type of thing. Yeah. 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 He- healthy, healthiest pizza you could get, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, that was fun. But, uh, you know, really, I, I've always liked cars, too. And I kind of started thinking I was going to do something with cars instead and got, rid- get up, got out of the pizza game. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing kind of happened once I started getting into that. I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this whole thing like that. So I started looking for something that was close to it, and uh, that's whenever I end up with uh, you know Barnes Distribution doing nuts and bolts and electrical. Uh, you know, that kind of led to that led to MSC and eventually line Judge.
0: Yeah, so it, it, it's to me it's it, it's fascinating to see like you know like I own a bar, then like, do some pizza chains, like, <laughs> DJing in the middle of it, then all of a sudden you're like, well, like, I'm here at the nuts and bolts place, like okay, like, and then working <laughs> yeah. there and managing a team with that, and then you know coming over now, so um, you, you get a, it's like definitely a storied background. I like the that work history there. You know, I look sure. at me, I think someone was asked me, someone was asked me yesterday, like, did you have you ever worked for like a manufacturer? I was like, no, I worked at Granger for three years and then here, that's it. <laughs> basically yeah. <I'm> the same <laughs> job my whole life. So um, that's really cool. And I know obviously. I not during the pandemic and stuff shut down but uh, as a little side gig you also you also do some uh ticket brokering as well
3: yeah yeah so i also definitely uh i love uh live music and before all this uh pandemic things started happening uh i go i'd go once a month but i i would pay for it by buying uh more tickets than i needed <laughs> <laughs> and uh basically be able to sell them and pay for my little uh my little outings uh, to different concerts around the area—that uh, was good. But I, I did have, you know, did get a little rough, rough with all this because I got stuck with uh, quite a bit of tickets that, uh, you know, got rescheduled for oh. this year. So I don't know how good of an investment that was. To hold on to for two
0: years. <laughs> I don't know. I think someone who's been trying to buy tickets to shows now, especially with uh, yeah, right. with, with my free time window <laughs> dwindling soon, uh, everything is very quickly sold and very expensive.
3: Yes, yes, good, good I've been seeing that as well. But I definitely, I can't. Uh,
0: I think it's a good. Invet- it's a good out. investment. That you, I mean, yeah, you probably had set on you know a couple thousand dollars of tickets, but you know it's, it's definitely yeah. a payback.
3: Oh yeah!
0: So yeah, as far as music, I know one of the things you love is like EDM fests and carnivals and all that stuff, and and so uh, I I want to thank you for not subjecting me to that when we we've ridden we together. Yeah,
3: I'm like, yeah, yeah! I try and take it easy on y'all whenever y'all ride with me, but uh, you know I will I will I might have to drag you out to one of the concerts though.
0: Yeah, I don't see why not. Next next time, let's, let's arrange a Vegas trip when, when that the whole uh, that whole. And I got
3: tickets to EDC. Come on, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so speaking of riding around in cars, um, you know one, one of the things I remember uh, when you first started, uh, I've never seen someone so happy about buying a Hyundai Santa Fe. <laughs> 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 I you so you were like, "This is so." It was like what, you know what's been so great about your job so far. You're like, "I got a normal car." You're like I have, an, yeah. I have a normal person's car. I
3: was I was always used to having like old you know older vehicles and vehicles I fixed up and I just I did not realize all the little creature features that uh, had been added to normal like, cars. <laughs> you know, well, I'm used to having such a commuter type of car, but uh, yeah, when I first started, I you know my daily driver was a uh, you know my my pimped out suburban on twenty fours, so that didn't do too well for you know, that. <laughs> So you start like, around the here. but between what are, that
0: the yeah what else is in the fleet i know you've got a, you have a few vehicles that are got, floating got,
3: got rid of the suburban get to to get the uh, to get the santa fe and then the uh, 1967 lincoln continental uh suicide doors convertible drop you know airbagged out on the ground it's it's kind of the uh it's definitely it was a five or six year project uh, it's it's pretty much uh, it's as perfect as I can get it now. I can't think of anything else to do to it.
0: It's pretty insane. But, oh, so you got you have to plug your Instagram so people can check it out.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I can't even remember the name on it.
0: Isn't it your uh, at, at Bubba McGuire
3: right? I know. I got. I actually got rid of that one. Now I, I have a. Uh, it's few of us continental.
0: Okay, check it out, folks. And so that's my a, yeah. So, yeah. that's so you got
3: that that's good.
0: You got the Continental, which is which is sweet. Like I said, I've seen pictures. It's amazing a five year labor of love. I know you and your dad worked on it some. Um, what there's a couple other vehicles that are in the McGuire's. Uh, the
3: Maguire, uh... <laughs> the uh, it's a 2000 H1 uh, yellow Hummer. So it's like the big military grade one, and uh, I definitely have added, uh, you know, put the black bars all the way around. It and made it as as big and nasty as I can. But that one's also that's uh, very close to my heart as well. <laughs> that's awesome. They both, they both are for blending in, you
0: know, right. The, the <laughs> giant yellow Hummer, the ginormous drop top with the, the, the airbags and the, the <laughs> rims. And then last time we were together, um, I, I got to learn how to defy physics and, and gravity in your gigantic oh, yeah. sp- tuned Raptor. Yeah.
3: The, the Raptor, uh, the Raptor is also a, a fun one, but I actually just this last, week i sold the raptor and uh bought the next project car so now i uh just got a 1990 uh you know full-size bronco um so starting to uh, that's the next project that's going per my wife's request oh, <laughs> nice. that's awesome yeah so the, it... top, the top immediately came off the back of the bronco and that's how they've been california cruising in the last couple of days
0: right I, I yeah i want to point that out that this isn't just necessarily will's like car car. Passion that his wife is the one who drives or was daily driving the souped-up, extra loud, uh, <laughs> high-performance Raptor as her daily car. Yeah,
3: yeah, the Raptors. Uh, it was pushing about six hundred horsepower, uh, and I mean, she she loved it. She she would barely let me drive it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
0: great. So, uh, again, I love that you cover the spectrum of, of like this this sick, murdered-out convertible all the way to you know your very nice Hyundai Santa Fe. <laughs> which which is well equipped with uh with my favorite features is your uh, lane departure warning that every time I'm on the call yes. two, I can just hear that yeah, thing beeping nonstop. Like I
3: drive very cautiously and that never. Really oh yeah yeah yeah. Will is, def- Will is definitely <laughs> a
0: cautious driver so I don't want to put anything else out there. About that. <laughs> so the uh, the other thing I got I got to transition to and and and, I'm, and we we can talk on this for as long as we want but uh, you know there's that song Friends in Low Places except um, the McGuire's have friends in high places.
3: <laughs> yeah you know, so I I, uh, I grew up uh, one across the street from Jessica Simpson uh, and so my sister's her age and uh, ended up becoming good friends with them over over the years and so we've been family friends ever since and uh, her dad's actually the one that did my uh, my wedding ceremony, and my sister got married, did her, her uh, ceremony in Jessica's backyard a few years ago, and uh, yeah, went to <laughs> some People magazine, got an old old one with me and Jessica, Jessica Alba together, in her oh, wedding. Oh, yeah, Jessica, <laughs> Jessica
0: Sandwich, look at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like two amazingly gorgeous women and this dude, un- unknown.
3: <laughs> and then this bald dude in between, him, yes. <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah No, definitely uh, it's it's been it's been fun and you need to know them over the years and you know my sister um you know just recently about a year she's been her personal assistant for 18 years uh up until about a year or so ago and now she just she opened her own party business and does that for for jessica and um but yeah man even my mom was uh you know when the kids were young she's the one that used to stay at jessica's house and I uh, take care of them overnight, so we've definitely known them for uh, quite a while.
0: Right. So, it's, it, it, and I always have to. When every time I come back from a trip with Will, my my husband is like absolutely in love with Nick Lachey. And every time I come back, he's like, he's like, <laughs> "Did you get Nick's phone number yet? Did you get Nick's phone number yet?" And I was like, "I'm not going to ask Will to give you Nick Lachey's phone number so you can call him." <laughs>
3: Nick, Nick definitely. Uh, Nick stayed at my house about
0: 15 years ago, <laughs> back
3: right. in Dallas when when uh. Joe, when Jessica's dad, was still very strict on them, and uh, she was still pretty young, and so they they all went to Dallas, and uh, Jessica stayed at their house, and Nick had to stay across the street at our house. That's,
0: That's, so <laughs> That's great. You've been to their weddings. Your your sisters, you know, been with Ashley. Yeah, de- Jessica, you DJ the yeah. wedding. De- DJ the first wedding. Wow. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I also didn't know that her dad married you. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I know with your sister in this party business, there's probably a chance, so, Will's probably got his eye, like, he's like, here's the people I gotta meet, going through your sister. Oh,
3: oh yeah, definitely, she's, uh, she's she's got a cool little network of friends just from, you know, being around Jessica the last 20 years, right. but, uh, definitely, if, if, you know, I know she's on a hiatus from singing, but if Jessica ever comes back to uh, to singing or doing book signings or anything in anybody's area, let me know, i will definitely get you a get you an in-person uh, meeting with her a, a meet <laughs> that's awesome hasn't been a problem <laughs> oh, that, yeah that is awesome she's,
0: she's really cool about that kind of stuff that's really cool it's such a such a weird thing and i want to say like i said i've worked with a lot and we'll will never uh it's not just like oh by the way and it's just like oh this one time i was at jessica simpson's wedding you're like oh, okay got it <laughs> <laughs> it is very cool that, that's so that's so awesome and he, he's I'm, I'm not gonna dig for the dirt on here but if you ever see will i'm sure he can tell you a, a funny story or two
3: yeah, I've got a couple of. them.
0: <laughs> okay. So, uh, taking it back a little bit to the family, you've got uh, a couple of very cool children, very unique. Um, what, what are they into?
3: Yeah, I've got my daughter's thirteen years old. And, uh, she's been she's very into horses. She's been riding horses for uh, I guess six or six years now. So uh, she's she's into it. She she works the camp all summer long. You know, she goes up there and, and works for. Uh, extra lesson time really it's a hard worker but if you see her walking up to the horse you'd be like what is this girl about to do because she's a hardcore like 90s grunge rock skater girl and that's how she dresses but then she goes up to the ranch like that just but puts on boots instead of vans you know (laughs) uh, it's pretty incredible and then you know then she gets on can actually ride and it's I think it's uh, hilarious, but... <laughs> there's
0: probably yeah, some, Maybe there's some unique crossover of skate parks and, and horse rings, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I haven't found it yet, <laughs> you, may, you may be onto something, you know. I mean, uh, my son is a very avid uh, gamer. He's 10, about to turn 11, uh, but then is also very into... Uh, we have a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu um, near us, so... He's very into that. He's in their little black belt club, which you know, not that he's a black belt, but I mean, it's like they're they're people that are going above and beyond. And um, so he goes up there three times a week and trains. And uh, he's you know very uh, very cool to get him off the couch. And he, he never <laughs> wants to leave until he gets in the car. And then he then it turns on. He's like, all right, let's go do this.
0: Right. I just love it. Like, hearing, <laughs> hearing stories about both your kids being just like these like very distinct personalities and how they come I think that comes together. That's really cool. <laughs> yes,
3: definitely.
0: So you've been, uh, you've been at line drive over a year now. Uh, I was asking, like, what's been your favorite part? What, what, what do you really enjoy about this role?
3: You know, I, I like, um, every, every week, uh, getting to go somewhere else and, and, uh, really getting to see how, how everything's made and operates and kind of like the behind the curtain thing. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the interesting part of our job, but Line Drive as a company, what I find that is very different from anywhere else I've worked is, uh, you know, I feel very comfortable calling anybody in any position at any time to ask a question or, you know, and I don't feel like, you know, um, that's not an access point for me. I feel like everybody's very much into helping each other, and uh, you know. Like, we're all, we're all on the same team working towards the same thing.
0: No, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, final uh, final question. What's what's the coolest place you've been at, in your role? Jeez. <laughs> uh, you know, probably the most
3: interesting, coolest one, I guess, I don't know. Most interesting one, interesting one is probably just because it's been recently where I finally got into um, MGM is like a hole in Las Vegas. So it was really cool to see, hey, if you go, the, the back of the house really does kind of mimic mimic what you see because if you go to the Bellagio, you know, it looks very nice in there. And, and then whenever you go underground and you see all their storage areas, I mean, it's it's just as Gucci'd out and everything's, you know, <laughs> nice. Uh, very nice new equipment. And it's kind of like the further down you go, uh, down you know, you go to the, you go over to like Rio or something, and and you know, it's a completely <laughs> it's a completely different uh, feel behind the scenes, and and you know, there's a bunch of duct tape and uh, zip ties, but you know, it's uh, that just to see how much underground there is underneath those things. I mean, uh, really, really interesting to see how that works. But
0: yeah, I would imagine the the, the inner workings of, of the casinos from the convention to the food to the entertainment to the pools and all that stuff is in the fountains it's just got to be insane it is and i was i was shocked
3: how easily actually i mean we just i was with the granger up but i mean they didn't know me and didn't you know lots of people didn't know him but i mean just walking around under there there's so many people doing so many things nobody even stopped to Ask us if we were in the <laughs> right spot or anything. I mean, it's just it's like a bustling uh, town underneath there. So.
0: so when we watch when we watch Ocean's Eleven or whatever, and they're like all running through the back of the thing, we we can believe that. <laughs> yes,
2: yes.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for for jumping on and, and, and uh, sharing your stories. I uh, I look forward to to sharing and look forward to working with you guys soon. Yeah. Thank you,
3: Brian.
0: Well, that's our show. Another fresh look into the workings of Line Drive. Thanks to you all for listening. And thanks to Ryan, Tracy, and Will for joining us. I loved hearing all about these great wins and, of course, Will's stories. Make sure that you subscribe on your favorite pod hosting platform, smash that like button on Teams, and make sure to tell your coworkers your favorite segment of this episode. And I love a good text letting me know how much you're enjoying listening. Zertified Fresh is a Line Drive production. Recording happens in a room much more spacious than my tiny office, with guests located far and not so far. Your host and executive producer is me, Brian Zamania, and our technical producer and amazing human being is Amy Struckmeyer.